Welcome, Orlando. Thank you very much. Good to see you. Tell us, Orlando, who have you left behind today? Uh, well, I'll tell you who I'm going back to see when I get home because I'm very excited about this. Uh, for the first time in a year, our whole family will be together when I get back uh, tomorrow night. So uh, uh, my wife, Libby, our eldest uh, son, Toby, who lives in Australia now, is married to an Australian. Um, uh, our, our number, uh, number two, our daughter, who's a student, and then two sons below that, one who uh, has just had his last GCSE yesterday, and one who's just about to have his last A-level this week. So it's a, it's, it's a busy household just at the moment, but that's our lot. Thank you, Orlando. Now, we know our area, like uh, the rest of the country, needs more churches preaching the good news of Christ. That's what you saw in Southampton when you started uh, Christchurch there. Tell us how and why uh, Christchurch Southampton began. Absolutely. So the story of Christchurch Southampton began with a retired head teacher or a retiring head teacher who decided to use his retirement not so much to take up golf or collect shells um, as to get a new church off the ground. Uh, what a wonderful thing to do with a retirement. And so he, he and a colleague collected a, a group of people together. Uh, they were meeting for a couple of years before they um, uh, invited me to come and lead that group and uh, launch Christchurch Southampton. And it, it was for me, it was a very exciting time because we were thinking, uh, could, could we be useful? Where are we going to be? I was leading a very established church in a small town in Surrey. Very nice. Uh, and this was going to a new place where there was no house, no salary, no no people, nothing really, no, no building, nothing. And um, so it was quite a big deal to take our kids out of their schools, away from their friendship groups and everything, and move down to Southampton. But what was lovely is, that as soon as we said we were going, uh, some of the other people in our small town church said, well, can we come? And so they moved. They, they, some of them brought their own children out of schools. And, and, uh, and they weren't just you know, somebody who'd just become a Christian who might possibly be useful one day. There was the chair of the elders, the chair, of the, the director of the children's work. The it was these kind of people. And so we were able to uh, work alongside others and uh, see this new little, uh, little baby plant um, uh, uh, um, just get going. It was quite a, it was quite a beginning. My, my first time I stood up in front of the, the group, we were 13 of us in the room and uh, just, Thrilling to see what, what's been done since then. So, yeah, mm. that's the beginning. And that was in your living room, 13 in your living room? No, no, no. in a local school. Local school, sorry, local school, wow. Yeah. Um, so quite a lot's changed in those 12 years. Why don't you give us some of the key moments from the beginning? Sure, um, I, I'm, I, oh, key moments. I, I guess in, in some ways the key moments are the same as for us, are the same as for you. What, what are the key moments? For me, uh, I guess the... Um, the, the ongoing role of baptisms, we have a baptism service twice a year, just seeing that new life has been a glorious thing to see. At the beginning of our church life, I told you about how a number of people wanted to come together and get things going. I suppose when you're starting anything new, you kind of think, is anybody going to want to come? And, um, and you're thinking, you, know, you, you start your first thing, you start your first this, whatever. Uh, we started a student ministry. And amazingly, we, we thought, is any going to be, is any 
I mean, there are other places to go as students and so on when you go to a city like Southampton. But then the first week, 10 people came. The second week, 30 people came. And within five weeks, we had 50 people in our house. Uh, and you were wandering around like a, you know, whole clutching a curry in one hand and a Bible in the other and stepping over bodies everywhere. Uh, and and uh, so it was a total madness. But so, so lovely to see those um, those little moments like that. I, su I suppose the other key moments, going back to your question, <laughs> I suppose the other key moments would be probably the appointment of a number of different staff members. If you're part of a growing church, then you probably know this already. But generally speaking, not always, but generally, growth follows staff. Um, it didn't used to be that way because in the you know when people had you know worked normal hours, you know, 35 hour week and that sort of thing, came home, had an evening and a weekend and so on, you could actually have a lot of people with a lot of spare capacity and time and hours and energy and so on. And so you didn't need staff as much as you do now, but you just do need staff in most uh, in most contexts now. And so for being able to appoint new staff members to look after the students or the the twenties to look after the office to look whatever it is um, has not so much. It's not so much that particular person which is exciting, but what it means about the development of the ministry and the new opportunities to to bring the word of God to a new group of people. That for us has been really wonderful. Yeah. Thank you, Orlando. I think you, you told me after five years you had 15 staff, is that right? That's right. Yeah, so it's just massive commitment to that principle of we need workers so that we can reach people. Thank you. Um, really encouraging. More gospel work is needed. More churches are needed. So how did you, you've done it amazingly, God blessing the work in, in your church family. How, um, how did you go about growing that work? Well, we, we've all, we were committed from the very beginning to seeing the kingdom grow at the expense, if necessary, of the church. And we just always thought that, was, that we've got to start. Any church plant must have that mentality. We care more about the kingdom than about us uh, and our little patch. He must increase, we must decrease. And so we were committed from the beginning to say, uh, we will begin to church plant, we will subtract, we will pursue a, a policy of church subtraction. Uh, in order to see new plants um, uh, kick off and, uh, and and grow. So, and I, I remember standing up at the very beginning of my second ever time uh, in front of the church saying, we were about 30 in the room at the time, at uh, this time, and um, saying, how about we aim to plant our first church in five years' time? And they looked at me like I was some loony lander from Mars or something like that. But the reality is, actually having a target, doesn't matter, it could have been any target really, but just to say, why don't we, why don't we go for it? Why do we say that um, this tiny little group of us will grow and plant in five years and then we'll keep planting every few years after that? And um, uh, I stood up at our AGM every year and said, uh, look, uh, do you remember what we committed to do? And of course, when it's five years out, it's easy because it's like some other time. Four years or three, two years. Hang on. Are you actually serious about this? One year? Yes. 
and so we we uh, we did. And um, none of our planting has been as planned at all, apart from the timing. So the first one, we were planning to plant elsewhere in Southampton, but we got the call from Portsmouth saying we our situation is more critical in Portsmouth, our neighbouring city, than it is in Southampton. Would you would you agree to send a tea to plant here? And so we did. Three years later, um, we were thinking about planting into Winchester, which is a, the next city north of us. And um, uh, it was an absurd situation because we had dozens of people by this stage coming down the M3, including students taking the train to get to church um, to, to, to come to us in Southampton. We thought this is ridiculous. So we were thinking about planting and then suddenly at the last minute, this opportunity came, came up because of a, a particular individual um, who became available to plant. And so we had to pull that together in three months, which wasn't, wasn't ideal, but it happened and it's been a wonderful story since. And then last September, just six months ago, we, um, we were gonna plant east of us. In the end, we planted west, uh, northwest into Salisbury. Um, but each time it's been, uh, it's been very costly to us as a church and relationships, you know, it's like, it's like tearing off a limb saying goodbye to you to these people who are so dear to you but we've forced ourselves under god to do it and reminded ourselves of that principle kingdom first our church second and in god's goodness i mean we now i mean that first time as i say we were 13 of us i think in the room that first you know on a typical sunday morning now there's 700 at our church and the churches we planted uh because of that principle, humanly speaking, and because of a great God. Well, thank you. It'd be lovely to um, learn something from your experience as we think about uh, growing churches, more churches preaching Christ. Could you give us three things, perhaps, that we could learn from what you've been through? Three things. Um, uh, stay together. Stay together. You can stay together as a church. You can do extraordinary things. One of the ways that we do that as a church is to make it as hard as possible to join the church, uh, which sounds counterintuitive, I know, but we do a massive roadblock at the front door to make it as hard as possible to join the church. Now, I, I'm exaggerating, obviously, slightly for effect, but, but what I mean is to, to join our church, you have to endure six long evenings with me going through everything about this, what this church stands for, and all the things that you might find tricky. Uh, we jokingly call that course, 10 Things You'll Hate About Us. <laughs> but we just lay it all out there, so that everybody knows from the very beginning um, who we are, how we tick, what's important to us. And the reason for that is that what normally happens when another Christian joins your church, moves, church joins you because they've come to the area or whatever it is, is that they, they, they find what a lovely bunch of people you are. And so they join the church. It's really easy. Of course, everybody wants them, people to join their church. And uh, so you join up and then you make friends, you become enmeshed in the community and so on. And then three years later, somebody says something and you suddenly realize you're not on board with the leadership or that vision or that ideology or whatever it is. But by this time, you're so enmeshed in the community you can't leave it's just too painful to leave so you stay and you're unhappy and you make everybody else around you unhappy 
And the, when you have got 50 people like that in a church, then the whole church is unhappy and you can't do anything uh, because you're not together. So we've deliberately gone the other way to, to make sure everybody knows from the beginning uh, what we stand for. And if they don't like it, that's fine. There's another church down the road. I'm sure there'll be somebody somewhere for you. Uh, that's been our approach of wanting to stay together. Um, train everything that moves. Um, I guess would be our, our, our second um, our second thing. Uh, what holds us back from great gospel initiatives? Lack of unity would be a one thing, and possibly an even bigger thing, actually. But I think lack of competence, uh, lack of honing gifts that God has given, uh, lack of taking opportunities that uh, lie in the resources of the people around us might be number two. And so we've really deliberately gone um, uh, to invest in training at every point. So we actually build training into our in, into that course I told you about. Um, your first bit of training comes there. We think that every single person in our church needs to be able to at least to tell their story, their testimony, share what God's done in their life to brought them to, to bring them to where they are. Everybody should be able to do something of that. So we build testimony training into our welcome course, our orientation course. And, and, and it goes on from there. So train everything that moves. And I think third one, um, uh, how can I put this? Probably have confidence in the Bible. So what we've done is we've deliberately said, we are not going to follow the path that many churches around us have taken which is to dilute, 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 uh, to stay on the back foot, to try to apologize almost for some of our, the sharp edges culturally of what we believe. We're gonna go the other way. Uh, we're going to make things even blacker and whiter rather than grayer. We're gonna be absolutely unapologetic about what we think the Bible says about this, that, and the other. And we found people have really appreciated that. People keep on saying to us, we've never had this kind of clear teaching on sex or sexuality, or gender, or whatever it is that that um, that people are staying away from, and, and we've found that actually by being clear, uh, by by putting the negatives as well as the positives. In other words, doing all the things you're not meant to do, according to the probably the church church growth gurus or something like you know, whatever they are, uh, doing all those things has actually been in God's kindness the right thing to do. And I'd encourage you in your churches. Uh, to be clear about what you believe and unapologetic in the stance that you take. There's three. Yeah, there were three really, really helpful, encouraging things for us to go and reflect on. Thanks, Orlando. Fantastic. I'll give us a couple of prayer points and then we're going to pray for you. Well, do please pray for our for our fellowship. We um, Those plants that we planted, are we, we've actually formed a little union of them, as it were, a bit like your partnership here called Reach South. And we're, we're, we're longing that, to see God use that to, uh, to grow gospel witness around the South Central region, uh, which is where we are. So pray for the development of that. We'd love to see that. Um, and um, I, I guess you could pray too. Uh, pray too for, um, uh, I'll give you one ministry to pray for. This is really exciting. Uh, so until a few years ago, our median age in church was about 23, 
an absurd, it was probably the youngest church in the country, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised, for years. And um, we were praying and praying and praying, Lord, this is not a church, it doesn't feel like a church, it feels like a kind of overgrown youth group. Uh, please, could you send us some older people? And um, wonderfully, um, over the last two or three years, uh, he has, and we've just launched our seniors ministry, which is called Friends Together. And that's just really exciting to me. I, I know that some people go for churches and think, oh, please, would you send us some young people? <laughs> We've gone the other way. So please pray for the ministry of Friends Together because we, we want to see uh, new opportunities in that particular area that God has given us to reach those who are of more mature years. Wonderful. We'd love to pray for you. Tom and Hazel are going to come and do that for you now. Thanks so much, Orlando.